Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Lisa Tolls is here today to talk with us about her latest psychological thriller, Terror Bay. It's a captivating tale of suspense with a detective in a coma after being shot in the line of duty, a mysterious woman appearing in his subconscious, a hidden treasure and buried family secrets, all combining to keep you reading well into the night. Here's the inside scoop on the author. Lisa Tolls is an Amazon best-selling, award-winning crime novelist and a passionate speaker on the topics of fiction writing, creativity, and self-care. She has 10 crime thrillers in print and is the recipient of the Reader's Choice, Reader's Favorite, Bookfest, Literary Titan, and Pencraft Literary Awards. Lisa is a member of Mystery Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, and International Thriller Writers, and is deeply committed to supporting other writers. She is board president of a Bay Area nonprofit and speaks frequently to groups of business leaders and writers. You can learn more about Lisa Tolls and her work at lisatolls.com. Well, hi, Lisa. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Thank you so much, and I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you about your new book. Tell us a little bit about Terror Bay and the inspiration behind the story. Okay, so Terror Bay is a standalone psychological thriller, and I really do write mostly standalone thrillers. I have one series, and there are two books in that series, and a third coming out next summer, but by and large, I write standalones. Terror Bay is about a San Francisco homicide detective, Kurt Farron, who's haunted by a mysterious woman that he sort of encountered while he was in a coma from a gunshot wound that he sustained in the line of duty. Upon waking, he's suddenly compelled to find her. He wants to validate her existence and her agenda. And what he discovers is buried treasure and a family secret that he's been running from his whole life. So when you think about what lies beneath Terror Bay, what I've written in my materials is it's the terrifying truth that he can't face. So Terror Bay is a real place. There's one in northern Canada, and there's another one in Puget Sound out by Kodiak Island. So it is a real place, and yeah, it's kind of a complex thriller that has a 19th century British shipwreck at the core of the story, which is kind of fun, too. So it took some historical research, and I absolutely love that part of it. Wow, I love all the elements you've incorporated into this book. That's amazing. How did you become interested in writing psychological thrillers? You know, what drew you to the dark side? I think just the complex intricacies of the human nature that we see everywhere in our world. I minored in psychology with my um, bachelor's degree, and I've always been very interested in psychology from the standpoint of criminal behavior and just more generally human behavior. This book is a psychological thriller because the psychology of the main character, Kurt Farron, is really at the heart of all of the crimes that happen in the book. He was in a coma 
when he encountered this woman. And he's really sort of like trying to validate his mental health for the whole book. Was he crazy? Did he imagine her? Does this woman actually exist? How could someone contact you like in a coma, which most people think is sort of the equivalent of a dream? And then how could she actually be real? So he's the one that's kind of questioning himself and his sanity through the whole book. And he needs to validate that, no, he's not crazy and she really is real. And this woman did live and she had an agenda. So kind of the relationship between him and this sort of like ghostly woman is an interesting part of the story. Yeah. So that kind of drives him through the whole story. He loses his badge because of his injuries. Uh, how does he reconcile no longer being a detective with his, you know, strong will to pursue this case that really isn't technically his to solve? That's such a great question. And that's really at the heart of the whole story. He has trouble reconciling that. And throughout the book, he has trouble reconciling that. May I read a short part of the book that kind of addresses your question? Yeah. This is in the beginning when he's kind of in between the coma and then waking up. I can see things in here, things the human living mind wasn't ever intended to see. I know how it sounds, how it makes me sound. I'm just reporting from this strange place. I don't know exactly where here is right now, but I also don't think I'm dead. I seem to be waiting for something, but I don't know what. I feel it, my body preparing me, making plans, shoving things in corners, finishing less significant tasks before the insistent takeover. I can't move forward until I find it, or it finds me. I can't move at all, for that matter, or breathe, or remember the before. This thing in my future, an intangible presence, will clutch onto my spine, feast on my innards till it's eaten the whole of my vitality. And when it clicks into place, God help me. It's happened before. I can't see it yet, but I feel its warm breath on the crown of my skull, descending like a promise of its inexorable coup. Mm. So that's a little taste of kind of what he's experiencing um, in between this coma state and kind of like coming back into normal consciousness. His doctors had to sedate him after he was shot because the bullet kind of grazed his skull and then he hit the floor and and the the impact with the tile on the floor gave him a, a really serious concussion. And so they did that as kind of like a protective measure. And now he's coming back and he's sort of in between these two worlds and and it's really tough for him. Yeah. I did some interesting research with coma patients and with um, TBI, traumatic brain injury patients, about what it's like kind of coming back from that. And I used that to kind of craft Kurt's experience. He had a lot of trouble with things like bright lights. Mm. I mean, loud noises, of course, but just bright lights literally unglued him. And his kind of emotional recovery being sort of back in kind of the flow of the world and a lot of busy activity was really, really tough for him. Yeah, yeah. What a great passage to read. That is more terrifying to me than like a horror novel. I think psychological thrillers really... I don't know, they get to me more than horror. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, the subtleties of them, right? Yes, me. I feel that way too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, horror, you kind of expect it, but the, the psychological, mm-hmm. the twists and turns of the mind and, and just the mm-hmm. games and, oh, oh, it's horrifying to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And I think he's concerned about that in a really profound way. You know, he doesn't know whether he imagined this woman or not, but she came to him not just while he was in the coma. He also kind of like heard her voice sometimes and he would dream about her and she stayed with him. And so there really is a connection between him and this woman named Genevieve Lucas. He came out of the coma and he knew her name and he'd heard her voice, and now he suddenly had an absolute compulsive quest to determine, was she real? Did she ever live? Is she still alive? And in so doing, he's pulled to Puget Sound, to a house on Bainbridge Island, and he does have a deep connection with her, and so that's what readers will learn about. You mentioned you were doing some historical research. Is this based on a true story? It's not based on a true story. Kurt is a real person. He's a San Francisco homicide detective. And the person who kind of comes to him in his coma, he doesn't know if she's real. And his recovery is only a part of the story. You know, I mean, all good crime novels have kind of layers of crimes. And the topical crime of this book was the person who shot him. He's a criminal by the name of Jimmy, and Jimmy is kind of chasing him throughout this book. He tried to kill him at a nightclub, and he failed, mm. and Kurt survived, but he's kind of chasing him throughout this book. And of course, you know, the way all my books are, you have these kind of parallel tracks of two different plot lines that, of course, intersect at the end. So, of course, the killer that shot him is absolutely related to the shipwreck part of the story and to Kurt's recovery and this woman. Wow. Yeah. So, so how it all turns out, I'm not telling. You'll have to read the book to find <laughs> out. But, but I promise they do all tie up at the end. You talked a little bit about all of the layers and the psychological themes. How do you make sure that they all work well within the kind of detective thriller plot? And I guess maybe that speaks to your writing style a little bit. Do you have to plot everything out? Because it seems so intricate. I can't imagine just sitting down and writing that whole thing out. Yeah, so writers talk about two styles of outlining books. You have plotters and you have pantsers who just write by the seat of their pants. Pantsers don't have any kind of an outline. Plotters have a very intricate methodological step-by-step outline that they follow through for their book to make sure that everything is proceeding in a very linear way. And I'm uh, like your, uh, I think his name was Randy Overbeck, who was your last guest. Um, That was just a great uh, interview too. I was listening to his interview and he said that he's kind of exactly in between the two and so am I. So I (laughs) I definitely do plotting and I definitely kind of keep track of where I am and where I need to go, but not like 20 chapters ahead. I plot like driving at night with your low beams on. So I know kind of where I am and where I'm going to go for the next like segment. And I might know where I want to end up at the end, but I still won't know how I'm going to get there. And that's really the whole fun for me. Yeah. Well, it gives you creative license. It gives your characters creative license. You don't know exactly how they're going to react or, or act or what road they're going to go down. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, sometimes the characters tell me where they want to go. And Stephen King was really influential to me on this topic in his book on writing. That was the first time that I ever felt like I had permission to not outline a book. Mm. Because what what he talked about in that book is that um, sometimes when you have an outline, it kind of like keeps you locked into it and sort of prevents those sort of sparks of magic and creativity to bubble up to the surface. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I thought, 
wow, interesting. Maybe I'll try to write a book without an outline. And I think I did write some early books without an outline. But now I definitely need to outline and keep track of the plot lines and, and kind of the shape of the story and how the character is transforming. And, you know, you were talking about genre thrillers and the different subtypes of thrillers. There are definitely specifications for things that readers, you know, really want to see mm-hmm. in types of thrillers, romantic thrillers, suspense thrillers, psychological, police procedurals. And so I try to touch all of those things, but still kind of feel the freedom and give my characters the freedom to sort of inform how it's going to turn out. And I never really know. You know, I mean, like a lot of people ask me, where did you get the idea for this book or for this book? And like, it, it sounds so silly, but I really don't know. Every book is different. And sometimes something will just come up and I'll blink my eyes and I'll kind of see whatever, the, the name of a place or a title or a character name. And I'll, I'll just know because I feel it in my bones. This is something. This is something that I have to use. And I think that's something that I see a lot of my author friends kind of contending with on the path is sort of toggling that balance between staying focused on where you want to go and what you want to do, but still being open enough where the magic and the spark can kind of come through and stories can speak through you. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to ask you, so where did the idea for this book come from? (laughs) So the main character, Kurt Farron, I base all my characters on a celebrity. And I do that on purpose because I base all my characters on a celebrity that I know and that I've seen before in films because in that way, I know how they talk. I know how they think. I've seen their body language. I know how they interact with other characters. And that just kind of brings them to life for me. Yeah. And Kurt Farron was kind of based on a younger version of the actor Ken Branagh who's one of my favorite actors. I've seen him in so many things, and he's been around for a long time, but but kind of a younger version of him. Mm -hmm. And the actual starting point for the story, I really don't know. I think I started with that character, and I wanted him to have the name Kurt Farron, and I knew I wanted it to be a psychological thriller, and I I don't have a good answer for you, Sherry, and I know that's so (laughs) lame. It's so lame. And I, I just don't I I just don't every book is different. Yeah, I guess I was wondering if maybe one element uh, kind of pulled you first, like, was it the settings like Puget Sound or, or was it the character or the historical elements, the historical details? So it's interesting. Um, I I did feel a strong connection with um, not Puget Sound as a whole, but Bainbridge Island. And Mm. I've never been to Bainbridge Island. I've never been to, I've actually never been to Washington or Oregon. It's so lame. I live in California and (laughs) we've just kind of never made that happen. But I felt a connection with Bainbridge Island. And the title Terror Bay came to me early on. And I didn't find out until later that there actually is a Terror Bay. There are two of them. Yeah. And then I found after that about the HMS Terror, a British shipwreck that happened uh, a couple hundred years ago. And so oh, I started wow. doing I started doing that research because that tied in with the title and with the two locations of Terror Bay. And a lot of times I just kind of pick up 
on a detail and I don't know where it's going to take me and I start going forward. And then like in, in this sort of serendipitous way, I see, oh, that ties in with this over here. Oh, and it ties in with this over here. So that tells me that I'm kind of on the right track. You know, I mean, so some of it is just kind of like following your nose and following your instinct and sort of listening to kind of what your muse is revealing to you. And then in other ways, it's very careful methodological research. So it's kind of a cross between the two. Yeah. Yeah. And is there also a bit of a fascination on your part with the act of uncovering secrets? Uh, I guess, you know, given how thoroughly it's explored through like concealed treasures and ulterior motives and, and, and such. I think secrets are at the very heart of everything I write. So that's interesting that you just kind of like accidentally touched on on the word secrets. And if I had to kind of quantify all of my writing as a whole, for me, it's just all about secrets. And and they are fun and they are interesting. I mean, I when I look at my author branding statement, um, I crafted my statement to be, I write edgy stories of corruption, secrets, and escape through the eyes of clever, obsessive protagonists willing to uncover truths and find justice at almost any personal cost. Mm. So like my books are really written for people who like puzzles and complex plots, gaming, conspiracies, politics, corruption, espionage, and all of those, those words that I just ticked off, those are also all about secrets. I mean, secrets are really kind of the basis for human relationships for scandals, for so much of what we see in our world, not just the secret itself, but the people who hold them, the people who hide them, the intricate layers of protection to cover them up and to conceal them. Secrets have power. I mean, secrets are aligned with fear and they're just so intriguing. So yeah, absolutely. This book is about secrets and it's in some ways it's about secrets that Kurt was keeping from himself and he didn't realize it. I mean, at the mm-hmm. heart of the story is a family secret that he knew a little bit about it from his past, but he hadn't thought about it in 20 or 30 years. And he honestly just kind of forgot about it. Mm. And he, he has a sort of, oh my God moment at the end when he realizes that this has been kind of like in his heart all this time. So, I mean, I would say that another thing that I try to do with my books is to write high concept action thrillers Mm -hmm. that have a lot of impact, but also that have deep meaning and relevance. You know, I mean, so Terror Bay is about um, mental health and mental wellness and mental illness. And that's very much a theme in our world. I mean, something that a lot of people in a lot of different ways are confronting and dealing with. And so I wanted something that that would kind of resonate with a lot of readers, too. Absolutely. And that that's kind of what makes it even more scary. It's like, well, well, what's scarier than reality, you know? (laughs) Now, are all of your books psychological thrillers or do you explore other elements of mystery as well? I have different types of thrillers. So Tara Bay is a psychological thriller. The book that came out before Terror Bay was the second book in my series, Salt Island. And Salt Island, I call that an international thriller um, because part of it took place in California where the series takes place, but also in the British Virgin Islands. And so it had kind of a Caribbean bent to it. And that was more of like a spy thriller. 
Hot House, the first in that series, was also a psychological thriller about a young college student who had dissociative identity disorder, which used to be called multiple personality disorder. Mm. And that was relevant to the story because one of her personalities was involved in a crime, but the other part of the personality was not. And it's kind of debatable whether that can actually exist, you know, in the psychologists that I've spoken to about this. But that's what the story is about. That's called Hot House. I also wrote a book before Salt Island called The Ritters. That's a political thriller. And it's not a political thriller in the sense that it's based on the White House. It's based on a political organization that started kind of in the 1950s or 60s called the Bilderberg Group with a lot of members of the State Department and the CIA. The Bilderberg Group is still in existence today. It's a very different organization than it was, you know, four or five decades ago. But that book's a political thriller. And then I wrote a technological thriller called 95. Before that, about a college student who discovers kind of accidentally a scandal on campus of the University of Chicago where he's going to school. And as he starts investigating it, he realizes that it was really just the tip of the iceberg and there's a um, kind of a global crime ring going on at the heart of it. And he gets sort of pulled into that rabbit hole and it's kind of a typical rabbit hole book. So yeah, I write different types of thrillers, not just psychological thrillers. And all of my more recent books are first person thrillers, which is interesting. Earlier in my career, I wrote more third person books and they're all just kind of coming out in the first person lately. That's just kind of the direction that my writing voice is taking. And I'm listening to that and kind of letting it flourish for as long as it wants to be there. And then I might end up writing third person thrillers later on too. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how the writing journey evolves and, and just being open to what hits you at a certain time and not trying to put yourself in a box. I yep. mean, that's going to tell the best story. You're going to tell the best story when you're in that mode. No, exactly. I think if I try to force it, I might be able to do it, but I won't have the same resonance for me. I won't have the same fun and the same kind of pull to make me want to put my fingers on the keyboard. I mean, I I am kind of curious why I moved from third person to first person, and I don't know why that is. And so I I have a writing partner that I work with. I, I work with a couple writing communities that are so important to me, Mystery Writers of America and Sisters in Crime. And I also have a writing partner that I do writing practice with. We Mm. meet and and we kind of chit-chat for five minutes and then we do like a 20-minute writing prompt. And I've been trying to focus my writing prompts on third person to get me more comfortable with it and to sort of uncover, you know, what made me change to first person. So I don't really know, but, you know, my skills as a writer are always evolving And I'm doing that on purpose. I want to keep developing and keep getting better and better and sharper and sharper. So I can give readers who invest in me and my books something that's really of the highest quality. Yeah. And I can tell when a book is written, it might be a good book, but maybe it's just missing a little heart and soul, you know? Mm, Great point. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Well, yeah, I think I think I am saying that that's true. I mean, readers can tell when the writer's not passionate about the subject. I mean, if, if, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I think you're doing a great job explaining it. (laughs) I, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you know, even if we have the elements of the crime well crafted and the elements of the investigation well crafted, your readers aren't gonna care 
about that crime and about that journey if they don't care about your character. So, yeah. I mean, as an author, I have to care about the character. I have to empathize with the character. Exactly. I have I have to have that personal connection with him. And when I have that connection, it'll be easier for my readers to have a connection with him, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. You put it much better. It seems like there was so much research involved in this novel. There's just so many different moving parts, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. Was there anything that you discovered during the research process that kind of surprised you? I think there's so much that surprised me about this story, yeah. There's one aspect of the research that would be a spoiler, and I don't want to mention that. So there was an actual um, British shipwreck, British 19th century shipwreck called the HMS Terror that sank in northern Canada along with its sister ship, the HMS Erebus, and I did tons of research on that. But there's another shipwreck that's involved in this story, and I can't say what that is or why it's important, but that was a really juicy part of the story. Mm. And and again, I'm as surprised as a reader would be when these things kind of come up in my writing, when I'm going through the story, and then all of a sudden I'll get an idea, and I'll think, what is that? What is that about? How can I fit that into the story? And I go down the path, and I investigate it, and Maybe it fits, maybe it doesn't fit. I don't use everything that comes up, but yeah, there were some very surprising things about this book. Yeah, I think the research process is fascinating. I, I would probably just get stuck down rabbit holes and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> never get to the writing part, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. just the learning. Yeah. Well, the character too, Kurt, he does a lot of research in this book, mm. researching sound researching people named Genevieve Lucas you know in in some ways Terror Bay is a maritime thriller because Kurt was a scuba diver for many years and when Kurt sees this woman Genevieve Lucas in his mind when he's in a coma she's underwater and she's investigating a shipwreck so it's about shipwrecks and scuba diving and he does a lot of research to try to find out if she exists you know he's looking up Genevieve Lucas the name on Google and he's seeing like you know like 22 23 year old young women on like TikTok and other social media sites and mm-hmm. he's like no she was older than that I have to keep looking and so mm-hmm. so research was uh, was really important to him And so that was fun for me because I had to be him, you know, executing these Google searches and kind of refining it and filtering it. And yeah, um, and I had to kind of pretend that I was in the hot seat there. And that was really fun. Yeah. (laughs) Now, when does Terror Bay come out? It'll be released by Indies United Publishing on November 29th. And it'll be released in Kindle, paperback and hardcover. And I usually do audiobooks with my books. I, I'm not going to do an audiobook right away for this one. I might do that later. But yeah, Kindle paperback and hardcover, and it is available for pre-order right now. And it'll be available just commercially in a lot of places online. BarnesandNoble.com, I believe, Walmart, Target. And also, I'm, I'm so blessed that a lot of local bookstores in Northern California will be carrying it too. Oh, that's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm probably going to go grab a couple audiobooks, I know for sure, while waiting for this one. <laughs> Excellent. I Excellent. love audiobooks. I love them because I can listen to a story and be entertained and and do other things as well. Mhm. Um, mhm. No, I I totally agree, and I had some wonderful audiobook narrators for my last several books 
Someone named Naomi Rose Mock was the audiobook narrator for the two series books, Hot House and Salt Island, and I hope she's going to be available to also do Switch, which is the last book in the series. I think that'll be out next summer. Mm. And there's a crime novelist, Jonathan Brown, who's also an audiobook narrator, and he narrated my book, The Ritters, the political thriller that came out last year, and I'm really excited about that one. And those have done pretty well. So I'm a big fan of audiobook too. Yeah, yeah, I love them. So now with Tara Bay hitting the shelves soon, uh, what do you do now? Are you writing your next book? Are you focused on marketing Terror Bay? What, what's your process? All of the above. It's releasing later this month, so I'm going to be doing more marketing for this book, you know, letting people in my channels, my social media channels, know about what it's about. I also have a book trailer that I made, and I think those are terribly important because a book trailer, if it's done well, it'll show a reader how they're likely to feel when they read this book. You know, it's a multimedia kind of dynamic way of kind of illuminating elements of the story that show the mood and the atmosphere and the vibe of the story. So my book trailer for that, it's a little over one minute and I'll be promoting that and also some editorial reviews just so that readers can kind of see what other people have said about it. I mean, you know, if you're a reader and if you're thinking about buying a book, what are the things that you're going to care about? You're going to want to know, is it any good? Meaning, you know, are there editorial review houses that have read it and said that it was good and worthy of the money? What is it about? Is it in the genre that I want? And how is it going to make me feel? So I'm going to be using those artifacts, using graphic design, designing ads, also the book trailer to let people know about the book. And then I am also writing another thriller right now. I'm about 20,000 words into a new thriller and that one's going pretty fast so fingers crossed that i can maybe get most of it done by the end of the year we'll see oh wow yeah we're almost there <laughs> i know i know i know I'm, a- I'm ambitious what can i say yeah oh goodness wow and are, are we in first person or third person in this one also first person okay yep <laughs> so lots of good things coming up but lisa is there anything else you wanted to share with us today I just want to say thank you so much for having this podcast available and for taking the time to interview authors. And I think podcasts are so important because they kind of bring books to life because you can sort of hear the behind the scenes story of of the people who craft them. I love listening to book podcasts and I'm just really grateful that you're doing what you're doing. And, And thank you for this opportunity today to talk to your listeners and yeah. That's it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for joining us. And it was a pleasure learning more about you and your work. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Lisa Tolles, author of Terror Bay. To learn more about Lisa and her work, visit her website at lisatolles.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at insidescooplive.com. <laughs>